So don't worry if you have too much or too little to say. We can sort it all out later. Okay. What if I say nothing for the entire time, but then afterwards I send you a separate audio file of all my responses that you can insert in as you please? We've done that before. I would encourage you not to do that, but we have (laughs) done that before. Dive into the dirtbag. This is the Insert Credit Show, the program where a panel of video game experts must face a gauntlet of questions under a strictly enforced time limit, lest they be subjected to the reprimand of an excruciating buzzer. On this episode, as a breather between last week's Xbox 360-tacular and next week's very special 20th anniversary of the Insert Credit website, we'll be tackling some listener questions submitted to us by our backers on patreon.com slash insertcredit. I'm Alex Jaffe, joined as usual by Brandon Sheffield. Hello. And Frank Zafaldi. Hi. Joining us today to assist in our spring cleaning is composer, pixel artist, and game designer, 4-Bit Friday's Tyreek Plummer. That's me. All right. Uh, So, Tyreek, usually we take six minutes to address a uh, custom-designed 10 questions per episode, but this time we'll be tackling 15 listener questions with four minutes allotted to each. Are you ready? No, but let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) That's right. Our first question comes from David, who asks, what are some of your favorite home console attract modes? Let's see. Is that an attract mode for the console or games on the... I assume it's games on the console, and the reason he's specifying is because there's basically no reason for home games to have attract modes. Attract modes are for arcade games to attract players. Right. Yeah, I guess if he meant the other thing, he would have said boot up sequence or whatever. That's that's what I was thinking of at first. Right. Mm. Okay. My actual one of my favorites is one that I designed. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, Do it. Which is in SNK 40th anniversary collection. For every game in that collection, um, I recorded a tool assisted speed, not speed run, but a tool assisted like playthrough of each game that you can watch. Regular run. Yeah. Low run. A, a reg, a, an expert play. It's meant to look like a human did it and they're just really good. But um, as you're scrolling through the game list, I wanted it to be like Netflix, but not annoying where it auto plays. So as you're scrolling through games, you'll see the key art for five seconds. That'll fade out. It'll play a random five seconds from my playthrough. That'll fade back Whoa. to the key art and then it fades back to the movie again. So... Oh, that's uh, such a good idea. Yeah, so it's like infinite uh entertainment just scrolling through that it's really cool it's a good one yeah this this is a hard question for me to answer because we've got you know i'm a a big pc engine fan over here and almost every pc engine cd game has an attract mode if you just uh don't hit run at the start and you just wait there's always like some big overwrought animated cutscene that somebody made and uh i'd be hard pressed to choose my favorite i really like the one in exile though that's pretty good um and also Exile Wicked Phenomenon. Those are both pretty good. Um, but man, Dragon Slayer, Legend of Heroes. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah, the only one that I can really think of is Ocarina of Time with the horse running and the mm. nice music. I like I like that one a lot. Yeah, it, that's a great one. Yeah. On the PC engine, there, it's just like almost every game has one to where I can't even think about it because <laughs> it's like every game has, has one, <laughs> but they're not all good. So every like Famicom and NES game also does since PC Engine games are basically just those. So if you, if you like those, there's a whole world of them. Great, fantastic point of view. Yeah, this doesn't really count, but there's some, I like Neo Geo attract modes because they're just like, the developers try to showcase moves and counter moves 
for the characters that they designed. Oh yeah. So like in in Samurai Showdown, uh, I remember there was this. The, there are these two designers, one of whom designed Haomaru, and and this guy was very adamant about there being certain frames of invincibility when he did his um, anti air attack um, dragon punch style thing. And the guy who designed Genjuro was really upset about those invincibility frames and was like, you got to take those out. And uh, other guy says, no, I'm not going to take them out. And so the guy who designed Genjuro designed his anti-air attack, if done a split second later, to hit Haomaru exactly (laughs) and destroy him. And then he put it into the attract mode to show everyone how to do it. (laughs) Oh, that's so petty. I love it. And right at the buzzer. Okay, here's our next question. Big Steve Lasagna asks, Am I <laughs> am I wrong to suspect that serious prestige TV style games like The Last of Us Part Two or Red Dead Redemption Two are pursuing a creative dead end? Will serious AAA games ever not be ridiculous? I don't mean to come across as a high society snob. I just find games are that are comfortable in their video gameness, like say Yakuza Four or A Mind Forever Voyaging, are paradoxically less goofy. Does tech need to progress in order to make Joel or Ellie emoting more convincing? Do they need better writers? Or is the whole pursuit of legitimacy misbegotten? Four minutes for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, I, I am delighted at the line, uh, games such as Yakuza 4 and A Mind Forever Voyaging. <laughs> That's the first time those two titles have been together. So the, the, the core of the question is, are these going anywhere or is this it, basically, right? Yeah. Is that all there is? I don't think you can better write these games. I don't, I mean, you can't, you can always better write something, right? But I don't think the writing is ever the problem here. I think we've hit real writing in games at this point. Um, the problem is that uh, if, if there's a problem, it's that they're games, they're not movies. So mm-hmm. uh, the ridiculousness, I think, comes about because of how much you can break them. And that, that game designer struggle of holding your hand versus letting you go is just possibly unsolvable when it comes to these prestige kind of games yeah i think that's bs lasagna's point though here yeah Uh, Yeah, i feel like they're not fixable in the traditional ways like you know a a pixar movie looks better in its own universe than does final fantasy advent children mm -hmm. because final fantasy advent children or that's not the absolute best example but something that's that's trying for more realism advent children i think has enough disambiguation but um, final fantasy the spirits within yeah, more like that, maybe. I think a lot of the issue is that, is that with with realism, and this you know happens with like graphical advancements and stuff like that. And I'm I'm wondering if the same thing happens will, will happen with uh, changes in writing styles and storytelling methods and that sort of thing. Is that they become dated faster than if you embrace the medium yeah. itself? I think. And so I'm wondering if like, oh, you know, in a few years, these, you know, very realistic, gritty stories and games and stuff like that will feel dated, not necessarily because of the graphic capabilities, because, you know, they still look good, but also just because of what they were trying to do and the realism that they were trying to convey in that way is just going to no longer really apply. And we will have like moved on to different things, to a different standard of realism to, to, to aspire to. And another thing I'm, I'm thinking is also that it might be kind of interesting if rather than like including these sorts of like cinematic games, like mixed in with all the rest of, you know, game genres and stuff like that, if they were sort of just split off and recognized as, oh, this is a cinematic game. That's the genre of it now. 
And so like they kind of become their own sort of like, oh, yeah, we're playing like a movie game. And that's what it's going to be is like these very like serious, self-serious like like games that are uh, trying to like tell a story with weight and meaning and realism and characters and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's its own thing now. And then also we still have all the other genres of game that are just in games. To this point, I know it's going to be a little longer, but I just started playing Call of Duty Cold War. Mm -hmm. And wow, like what a waste. (laughs) Um, because you know you you play this game and it's it's like old ronald reagan being like boys they're not gonna know what you did out there but uh, you're doing it for your country and we already appreciate you and and like they're making old ron out to be the the good guy and and just anything that's communist is bad and we're just gonna kill all those commie bastards and stuff and the the story is so just like intellectually and morally bankrupt just absolutely abjectly bankrupt and then but then you play the game and it is just hands down the best feeling level designed shooter that I have played in the last 10 years. There's a helicopter sequence where you could make a whole damn game out of this helicopter sequence. It's so well designed. What a waste. And if that game were about just like jumping into space and shooting up aliens, then you'd have me all the way. But when you try to make it about how Ronald Reagan is a good guy and the, the Cold War, we really want it or whatever kind of stupid nonsense like get out of here this next question comes from sam who asks why don't more games combine multiple disparate genres into unified cohesive experiences what are some combinations that you would be curious to see or make i feel like eventually we're gonna have all the combos yeah because it's like oh is this a platformer cooking rpg yeah i mean there's a couple of those already yeah (laughs) i mean undertale was a bullet hell rpg and that was like one of the biggest games of the last decade. Yeah. I mean, when, once we saw all of the Japanese game companies start to do crossover games and multi-genre approaches and things, that's when it seemed to me like this is just what we're doing now. We're spiraling in on ourselves right. and combining genres. But I will say that it sometimes sometimes it works on me. Like there will be a combo and they're like, it's this plus this. And I'm like, oh. That's a good idea. <laughs> I'd play that. I don't know if you, if you got like a Pokemon game, but you play Picross to catch the the little critters. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I'd do it. Sign me up. Combos like that are just such an easy pitch, I think, is that like mm-hmm. you can just say two things and people are hooked or not. You know, it's right. like, oh, here, I'm going to mix this thing and this thing. And people are either like, I'm in or that doesn't sound interesting. But either way, you have like a just definitive yes or no. And then, you know, you can follow through on that however you, however you see fit. Yeah, it's it's Dark pitch. Souls Mario. Right. Oh, it, got it, it speaks more to the Hollywoodification of video yeah. games, as we were talking about, like how the classic elevator pitch is X meets Y. And now that's yeah. what video games are. I, I am always, always a sucker for JRPG battles being something else. So, Same. Yeah. Um, you know, the Undertale thing is is OK, but I was thinking more of like that. Did WayForward make that GBA JRPG where every random battle took you to a, a shooter? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, not not that the game was fantastic, but like that's a great idea. Or like those two games on Turbo Graphics, the uh, Final Lap Twin and whatever the tennis game is, where it's you know it's Dragon Quest, but your random battles are tennis or racing. Like I'm I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> World Court Tennis, mate, something like that. Something like that. That's the thing. Like like when they do that, even if it doesn't work, even if it ends up like falling flat on its face, I'm like still glad to see the effort and like, oh, this was an interesting thing. And like, oh, mm-hmm. if I was to do this, how would I do this a little better? Or how would I change this to make it work? And that sort of thing. Yep. I think it'll keep going forever. And I guess the question was, what genres have we not seen 
that we would like to see mashed mm-hmm. up? And uh, my answer to that question is, I'm not going to give that away for free. Hey. <laughs> wait, wait wait till i make a couple of them then you'll see i mean i just want everything to be a roguelike of some sort yeah what if there was like a volleyball shooter i think that could be an interesting mashup <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yep. okay this next question comes from shun who asks what would a quadruple a video game be like is that going to be like hyper realistic vr or something yeah i don't know that's just money right like red dead yeah. red dead redemption 2 is 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 four a's for sure right. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you scream, the better it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else. What else is just ridiculously expensive like that? Like a Grand Theft Auto game? In a way, maybe it's like um, one of those forever free to plays. Like uh, League of Legends over the years probably costs more than Red Dead Redemption Two, right? Mm. I would assume because you're consistently paying a large team of people to work on it, so it probably costs you like uh, at least a couple million a year. Um, and it cost you a bunch of millions to get to that point. So maybe it's high-end free-to-play games, but maybe that's weird to say. It doesn't feel like the right answer. Mm. No, I think AAA also inherently means, you know, summer blockbuster. Right, I was just saying if, if we were just talking about money. Sure, 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 sure. Since it's just an arbitrary term, the, the term AAA just evolves to absorb whatever is the most expensive tentpole blockbuster <laughs> game. And... uh and and the others draft up behind it we barely use double a or we never use single a <laughs> what is a single a game it's a game right <laughs> a game. that's something from like a game jam no no a, no a game jam would be way be below like a, yeah that's like a J game. Later, later yeah, yeah. I will say that the 2009 base jumping simulator, ah, a reckless disregard for gravity is like a 20A game. <laughs> there are a lot of A's in that, yeah. Yeah. 17 A's they got, a lot of A's. Yeah, I think I think that sadly, no one will really successfully use the term quadruple A. I don't know if it's actually sadly, but. It's also kind of clumsy. No, that's not sad at all. I will someone not tried want to, it. I think. Um, I have a recollection of someone trying to say, this is the first quadruple A game. It's probably somebody going at Activision or something. I was, I was about to say Activision, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking baseball, then the step after triple A is major league. Oh. We've not we've not hit the major league. Yeah, yet. so oh. I guess a quadruple A game would be an esports game. Okay, I found what I was thinking about. So that new game studio the initiative that got started and they were all talking about how great they were they called themselves a quadruple a game studio so uh be on the lookout because apparently they're (laughs) gonna do it (laughs) oh well that's that's where to keep your eye on all right our next question is from thunder cricket who asks video games often have areas that would not have practical application in the real world what is the most practical dungeon in a video game Hmm, I guess the the Yakuza like a dragon sewers and storage areas are and they're they're just real life locations. So those are pretty practical. Not a very right. exciting answer though. Yeah, I like when games do that though. Like I I'm thinking of um Twilight Princess where one of the Zelda dungeons was just a dude's house and it kind of worked. And and I, I think I appreciate that. I don't I, I mean I haven't played it since it came out, so it was a long time ago, but it was like an I think it was an ice dungeon and it was just oh, someone's house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I mean in the same way that I'm a sucker for RPGs, I'm a sucker for dungeons just being practical places. But 
So yeah. you'd think I'd have answers for you, wouldn't you? <laughs> I agree with I agree with that, but like I I want dungeons to be like practical places, but still containing ridiculous things. That just oh, absolutely, yeah. In the context of of that, you know, as opposed to just being like a room with a bunch of barrels in it. It's like, oh, here's a dungeon. It's like, oh, this is just kind of a storage room. But like, I think that the um the dungeon you're talking about, the ice dungeon in Twilight Princess, had like there were like a bunch of cannons and stuff around that you had to put cannonballs into and like launch launch throughout the room. And I'm like. I don't know what this has to do with anything, but I mean, I guess if there's just a hermit who lives on a mountain, maybe they'd have like a storage of cannons. I completely <laughs> accepted it. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is yeah. just this guy's house. This is he has yeah. a dungeon house. That's where he lives. It's fine. I will always appreciate a nice subterranean uh, train line dungeon mm-hmm. with mm. uh, a train that can smack into you or not. And also a train station like they have in Shimagami yeah. Tensei or whatever. I, I don't know. I like this. I like hotels. I can't think of a good example of one, but like a oh. labyrinth of a hotel. What about um, uh, Mario Sunshine? There was like the hotel resort level that had like the hotel, right? Yeah, that was all right. I um, liked that one. <laughs> I'm thinking about the uh, Saint Anne from the first Pokemon game where you go around a cruise ship uh, fighting everybody on the boat. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I quite like in uh, SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash 2. Um, and maybe the first one, I forget you're uh walking around a casino and that it's a the dungeon is a casino and you're not totally allowed to be there because you're a kid but you're battling everybody with um with your snk and capcom cards it's a nice place to do a dungeon like casinos feel like dungeons in a way um well yeah they're specifically designed so that you can't find the exit right uh but they also have all these glittering fun things for you to try to interact with so uh i feel like it's that's that's right in there in terms of dungeon with enough interesting things to do, but which mm-hmm. if you really think about it, you don't want to be there. Right. I think an ideal one is there's nothing actually different about the practical place, but it's a shift in perspective that that makes it interesting. So like, you know, if you're a, a child in a mall or something, right, and it's it's just a mall, but because you're a child, think everything's uh, huge and adventurous. I think that's the best uh, design use case of a practical dungeon. Mm hmm. Oh, so it all comes back to Dead Rising then? Yes. <laughs> well, I guess I was thinking, like, I started thinking about Deadly Premonition and how there's dungeons that are just like the hospital. And it's like, well, yeah, but also it's a hospital with a bunch of gross dead stuff to be a zombie game. So that's not actually that interesting. Right. What are, what are, what's a game where you play as someone tiny in a normal place, like a borrower or something? Oh, God. Um, the worst example just came to mind, which is Duke Nukem Forever. You get shrunk down real tiny. And you I was thinking to- of Mr. Mosquito. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dungeon is the human body. This next question comes from Mox Bagel, who asks a variation of one of our favorite thought experiments about how to go back in time and save Sega, presuming that we were successful, perhaps too uh, successful. Uh, how would video games be different if the Dreamcast crushed the competition and Sega continued to be the dominant console manufacturer into today? Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that too much. Um, I guess you were so focused on saving Sega. You weren't uh, thinking about the ramifications. Yeah. I didn't think about whether I should. Um, Right. So did they crush Sony? Like Sony's done. That seems to be the presumption here. The operative. Wow. That's hardcore. I don't know that Sony's done, but Sega's dominant anyway. Right. Sega is the number one. Um, I think our houses are full of uh, specific game peripherals that we don't use anymore. Would we have gotten the Wii U? Or, uh, you know, a lot sooner because uh, as an evolution of the VMU. <laughs> we might have. I like that. What comes to mind for me is that other than Nintendo, Sega has been the only hardware maker with 
franchises that anyone could care about. So I'm thinking more in terms of like, how does Nintendo respond to that than I am like Sony or Microsoft? Um, yeah, does Nintendo get edgier? Oh yeah, <laughs> we might might start that stuff again. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking of things like you know, like Sony had that weird attempt at a Smash Brothers that was just using you know whatever action figures were on the shelf at yeah. that time. <laughs> you know? PlayStation um, All Stars Battle Royale. Right, but like that Sega could have theoretically, Suikin. yeah, but Sega could have theoretically done that, you know, mm-hmm. if, if they were a right. major player. So it it could it could be interesting. It could be a Sega theme park right now. Yeah, I'd I'm not saying they there. kill Nintendo. I'm just saying there's there's two now, you know, and that right. that could be really cool. Yeah, I think the main ramification is that the Mario and Sonic games come out on two consoles now. Hmm. I wonder. I feel like that wouldn't even happen. I th- I feel like you would have no. Yeah. Sega games on Nintendo platforms at uh, any at this point like that that none of those crossovers exist now um, except in fandom games that are aggressively taken down by both parties. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I agree with that. It would be fun if 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 Sega and Nintendo both had uh, theme parks now, but they were like just right across the street from each other, and they like all the workers tried to sabotage the other theme park all the time by like going and stealing their question blocks or like punching sonic and taking his rings or something i don't know yeah what is online gaming like if like the whole pace was set by fantasy star online oh wow yeah i guess if if sega is dominating then um online games are as big on console as they are on pc and Mm -hmm. when i say online games i mean like mmos and stuff not just shooters and and fighting games so i think we we get to like league of legends a lot faster and um yeah and and we wind up with Street Fighter Four's on uh, robust online community happens like an entire generation earlier. Are the yeah. Sonic games good? I was I was just debating this whether the many, Sonic how games. How many more Sonic Adventure games are there? Right. Yeah, there's. I I think we at least get Sonic Adventure Three, and it's not Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, right. I don't think Sega being dominant makes Sega good. Right. The only way to save Sega is to let it die. <laughs> okay. Here's our next question. This one comes from Graphite, who asks. What is the most notable video game misreading? Uh, like Rangers? <laughs> I think of they mean like a visual or audio sort of Monda Green. That like uh, something that is often misinterpreted by people who play it. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, for instance, people assume that Mario is breaking blocks with his head when he's actually breaking them with his hand. Yeah, well, that's a good one. <laughs> hmm, yeah, yeah yeah i just i just thought of that one uh heck i know there's there's a lot of um games where there's a tile that looks enough like a door that there are rumors around the internet that it like <laughs> either is a door and you, there's a secret way to get to it or it was a door and then it got patched out or something like that but the only two games i can think of um sylvan tale and phantom dust both of those things that look like doors actually were originally supposed to be doors to additional places that they didn't get to finish so um doesn't actually answer the question but there are ones where it's not true or i remember seeing there was like an island in wind waker that was supposed to be like another dungeon but it never ended up oh yeah 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 that's true like it was in interviews they said it was cut to make the game easier or shorter or whatever on purpose Mm -hmm. um so yeah that is true you got me thinking about Ellie's real 2401, the uh, message mm, that people misread on the fountain yeah, in Super yeah. Mario 64. We don't know what it says, if that's a question, but there's a texture uh, in Mario 64 on a pedestal that 
uh, some read as L is real 2041. And it's like, oh, it's a clue as to how to unlock Luigi. Right. Oh. Or you, you know, you just have to play the game after 2041. And then Luigi unlocked it. There's a part in iDarb where it glitches and, and I, we put in L is real 2041. It's like a one frame <laughs> thing, which I thought was cute. That's, yeah. Um, now that Mario's dead, is it Luigi's time to shine? Is that what's going on now? Well, didn't he die too? Oh, that's right. He died first. Yeah. Forgot about that. So there's no more Mario Bros. No more. Yeah. It's, 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 it's Wario all the time. Waluigi's. Wario. Hell yeah. I'm ready for another Wario game. We all are. He's their brother, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that disproves that. He's actually <laughs> he's actually a Mario and a Kong mated to make Wario. Wow. Oh, the Mario yeah. species. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The Mario yeah. species and the Kong species is a, a hybrid of the two. Wow. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> His full name is Wario Kong. Listen, I'm an historian. Says so in my bio. You're an authority on this. That's right. I can't think of any audio misreadings, which is another thing that Graphite asks about. Well, uh, so whenever I, I mention the game Paris All-Stars, the person infers Paris All-Stars. So I don't right. know if that counts. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, could that's, be it. It's more like in the Rangers arena. I just thought of one. When I was playing uh, Star Fox 64, whenever you start a level, there, there, there's like a voice clip that says, raw, raw, or something like that. And I always heard that as remark, but he's saying good luck. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I, okay. I always thought that he was saying like remark, and I thought that was like some kind of like Air Force military term that I just oh. didn't understand. <laughs> it was like remark. And I'm like, okay, cool, remark. And then like it took me years and years to figure out that he was actually saying good luck. Raiden in Mortal Kombat. Everything he says is one of those mishearings. God darn it. I should have thought of that. This one comes from Aldo Leopold, who asks, emulating PS2 games and cranking the resolution way the heck up. Is this playing the real game? Uh, usually not, um, because to do that uh, requires using PCSX2's um, hardware-based emulation as opposed, as opposed to software-based. And uh, it is... Uh, extremely inaccurate um to how the games render so for example if you're playing uh oh i don't know raw danger um there's a lot of visual effects that just literally don't even render um if playing in hardware mode uh you have to play in software mode to get it even close to what it's supposed to look like and you can't up res in software mode so uh in most cases i would say that is uh, a dangerous game playing playing ps2 games that way um but that said is it the real game let's assume for the sake of argument that it does render correctly i think the question then is um is up a game uh closer to artistic intent right is is that is that right i think what we want to talk mean. about okay yeah. mm-hmm. um no. i think no but i like how it looks that's, what yeah. I, that's where i fall because these games were very clearly designed to be displayed on the TVs that we had at the time. They're supposed to be, I mean, we had component cables for PS2 or whatever, but we were still on CRTs. We weren't capable of displaying that much visual information. So, would, but would they have liked to? Probably, possibly. Depends well, on the game. There's a lot of games from that era that had PC versions that ran in like 1024. That's um, true. So, I think a lot of them, yeah, they would prefer that. So, and VGA Dreamcast games, et cetera. Yeah. So, I mean, Silent Hill 2, for example, I think, you know, if you up that as much as it wants to go, that that still is respecting 
for the most part, I think artistic intent, although, you know, there is the argument that just playing on a dirty CRT is the way to do Silent Hill. So maybe that's a bad example. It is an interesting question, right? So, I mean, Mario 64 up-resed looks bizarre because those Mm -hmm. textures are so low res that it's just being Mm. you know it looks like you're in minecraft world if you up res mario 64 so i think my answer is only if the texture work is great (laughs) you know otherwise it just kind of looks strange metal gear solid 2 you need kind of a checklist of which games are the real games and which aren't i was gonna say only if you also before you do that put all the textures through like a uh uh, neural network to up res them and then, mm-hmm. then, then you put them back in, and then, and then you, and then you can go, and then it's the real thing. Hmm. Then you go wild. Go wild. All right. Uh, we're gonna go wild for a little while off mic, and be right back after a quick break. Dog does not like. Please go away and die. He does this funny thing where he'll be barking at somebody outside and then I'll walk into the room and he'll run up to me and look at me like, okay, we got to go kill that guy right now. <laughs> Let's go get him. But I, I never did. I you never killed a guy? I never killed a guy. Not this yet. Welcome back to Insert Credit. This week, we're cleaning out the dirt bag, answering some of your questions right before we celebrate our 20th anniversary next week. Uh, Mm -hmm. This next question comes from Daniel R., who asks, The hottest game coming out this fall is Steampunk 1877. What are some of the selling points? The major selling point for me is that it's not actually a steampunk game. It's uh... (laughs) (laughs) the only way to get us on this show to acknowledge this game. Yeah, we don't have to like this game, right? No, we're just talking about the selling points of the game. Sell it. Okay. I think what people tend to like about the steampunk aesthetic is uh, the contraptions. So I think uh, a really robust Borderlands style crafting of weapons and gear and stuff oh yeah you can just put yeah. gears and monocles on everything and yeah that's exactly where i was gonna go with it yeah you can, you can craft your own vehicles and and put t- pipes and tubes maybe maybe there's even some like limited simulation function of the steam flowing through the pipes and valves and stuff to 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 like let you actually make your contraptions in a way that feels feels like you're doing something meaningful yeah you can uh, change which uh shade of white person you are <laughs> uh, because i that's who steampunk is for uh <laughs> you want freckles you, rosy cheeks are you really pale or are you just kind of pale do you have sunburn <laughs> you can choose from over 150 top hats yeah do you want your velvet to be uh grain up or grain down i'm just imagining a slider that just controls the height of your top hat in character creation yeah and the size of your monocle yeah do you think um, people who like steampunk also want to romance a Dracula? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's some overlap there. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably have that in there. Part of the game takes place in a Ren fair. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that, that'll be a... I want to reverse steampunk where all the people are made of brass and they create contraptions out of meat and flesh. I love it. You've sold me. <laughs> there we go. I guess it, it's like a it's like horror world it, it horror style Steam World dig. Mm. Uh what else do are we selling? Um own your own dirigible. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have uh, airship. You can outfit outfit your ornithopter with bombs and missiles, uh all powered by Steam. Of course. And only available on Steam. In game currency <laughs> is coal and uh do you 
Yeah, they use coal in a steam <laughs> no, train. The, right? I, I like the idea of the currency being monocles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, um, since we're supposed to be doing cyberpunk, right? So you got the yeah. HDR lighting, but uh, really, really good uh, particle effects for steam itself. Like you can mm, walk yeah. through steamy things and it looks like actual steam. Yeah, it swirls around you and everything. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a like good one. It condenses on steam. your monocle in first that person. HDR is just bouncing everywhere because of that steam. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I think Absolutely. that would do it. Yeah. And you need a big computer uh, composed of like brass and wood and, yeah. and green velvet in order to run it. Oh, you know what? We'd sell uh, oh, pre-built yeah. rigs uh, that can run this game optimally that uh, have like valves and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I think uh, I think we've hit on our next project. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. I'm getting to work on it right Let's now. Let's assemble the team and work them way too hard. It's a computer that <laughs> only runs this game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our next question comes from The Fragrance of Dark Coffee, who asks, how do you talk about games that are good, but not remarkable or especially unique? Is there anything to talk about besides it does what it sets out to do and I enjoyed it? Mm, yeah, I just watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And... I was I was thinking about what happens when there's a media product that comes out and is popular, but there's just there's just nothing to say about it. Like right. There's having an opinion about it is like completely pointless. Yeah, it's like why <laughs> why are, why are you thinking about this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because I I was thinking about the absolute void of interesting discourse possible with it. Um, <laughs> And that's uh, I like the part where he went to that place and he found his axe or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, what, what do you, that was what do you the talk good about? Part. Yeah. That was the good part. Um, that was it. And, and but like, that, is, you know, that is the entirety of my discussions. Like, I like that part. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff you could say was was bad about it or weird about it, but it's not interestingly bad or weird. Right. It's, right. It's just like whatever. So. It, it is an interesting challenge, that sort of thing. I guess, though, I feel like with games, there's always a way to describe it so that it's right for somebody. Like, there are generic PS2 games where, you know, if you don't want to think too hard and you just want to be pushing buttons and getting through a thing and watching numbers go up, then this is probably the game for you. Like, mm-hmm. this generic blandness is probably what you're looking for right now. So I, I feel like there's a, a selling point for bland, maybe. Like, there are days where I actually think i would like to play a run-of-the-mill acclaim genesis video game today (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know i just want to have that experience of of like playing a game for a half hour getting frustrated and then going and doing something else (laughs) yeah we can't really have an hour-long discussion about no spider-man and venom separation anxiety no it's just a nothing game wait there's a game called spider-man and venom separation anxiety yeah it's a sequel to maximum carnage it's yep. uh it takes place in couples counseling. It gets really messy. Uh <laughs> it's mostly text based. You have to uh either get them together or mediate the divorce. See, you're making this sound interesting though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to learn to actually say goodbye to Uncle Ben. <laughs> oh, damn. Don't hold on to the hurt. I mean, I guess there's there's just nothing to say about those, and that's just kind of how it is. It's only if it comes up in a in the context like this show that you would use. Right. I feel like if you're trying to like recommend someone a game for which you have nothing to say about, why would you be in that situation? Like you just wouldn't. You just would like if there's a game that that you're like, oh, I am ambivalent about this. It does a thing good. You can be like, it does a thing good, but you don't need to play it. <laughs> right. At least that's how I, that's how I treat it. 
I guess if I worked on the game, then I would be like, well, you could play it because I worked on it. That's uh, right. I worked on some generic stuff. So, you know, I worked mm, on Barnyard Blast. Um, not exactly generic, but it's not a game I would recommend to anybody. Ooh, you're putting it on Barnyard Blast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's our next question. It's from Kiko who asks, is it possible to reboot Seaman? Should we reboot Seaman? On which modern platform would Seaman be most enjoyable? Which microphones are dead. Yeah. Microphones are dead. I do think that, I mean, I would be totally fine with a Seaman where it was like a drop down menu and whatever. Also, Switch has a touch screen, which I feel like would be good for Seaman so you can tap the glass and drop food in on him. This sounds like a mobile game to me. Mm. I can see I that. Never, I never actually played the original. Was it basically just a mean Tamagotchi or something? Not mean, but strange. Sassy mm. and strange. Okay. But you're not far off with the, with the Tamagotchi sort of thing. It is, it's a virtual pet for sure, but it does a lot more interacting with you. And, and the idea was sort of that not only were you watching it, it was watching you and asking you questions and learning uh, things about you and then making an observation like, this is why you don't have a boyfriend or whatever. Um, okay, so it's we build it in to LG televisions as mm-hmm. like an app that just comes on when you turn on the TV. And uh, it asks you things like your social security number. Right. I was thinking it then feeds everything it learns about you to it Amazon. It sells it to Facebook. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, I, we should absolutely reboot Seaman. It would make <laughs> well, tons of money. Perfectly. Yeah. We, all the infrastructure exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. What's your social security number? <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Kramer's still alive. He'll, he'll come and do it. Sure. Voice actor. Who do you get to narrate it now that Leonard Nimoy is gone? Uh, Leonard Nimoy's son, uh, uh, Blemmerd Nimoy is his name, I think. Wow, two uhs, and that's as good as you got, huh? Master of improv, Brandon <laughs> Sheffield. This is, this, is why, this is why we don't do the improv zone too much. Uh, I'm thinking Mark Hamill. Sure, why not? He's been in a star product. Sure. I think David Attenborough. Ooh, well, you got a short window on that one, I think. That guy's yeah. not that long for this world. Yeah, let's do it. You know that uh, Tetsuya Nomura once cast uh, Mark Hamill and uh, Leonard Nimoy in a Kingdom Hearts game because he wanted to see Star Wars fight Star Trek? <laughs> Good. That's a true story. I would like to have uh, young Jordy LaForge narrate a thing. I think that would be pretty good. Sure. Oh, I like sure. that. Yeah. Does he have to be young or does he still sound okay? No, he's he he's he's him he's his real self. He's his regular adult self. LeVar okay. Burton. LeVar Burton. Reading Rainbow. Son of Tim Burton. Right. <laughs> this next question is from Anders M. Anders M asks, please produce an ordered list of the countries of the world with the best video game export, aka where the best games come from. The rub is that you cannot name the United States of America, Japan, or the United Kingdom. PS I understand multi team games are a thing. Okay, well, I wasn't going to mention the United Kingdom owned. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that. No, that's that's a joke. They they make good things. Um, I mean, Poland's got to be right up there at the top, I would say. Number yeah, one with yeah. the bullet. Yeah. Um, so Poland's number one. And then what, what do we got? Um, Canada? Oh, actually. Yeah, Canada. Chi- China. Canada's up there. Oh, China, yeah, okay. sure. So th- these are our top three. I'm not sure if, does Poland beat Canada? Maybe not. Maybe Canada's number one. I think Canada's number one. Yeah. And Poland's number two, China's number three. Sure. Um net, then we got we gotta get South Korea in there somewhere. Oh that's yeah. a lot of mobile stuff, but mm-hmm. I 
think they're at least worth being number four. Um, and then we start to get into, uh, but I mean, also we got France, so we. I don't... was going to say, Fran- I feel like France should be somewhere in there, right? Yeah, France is probably France is probably actually number one above Canada. France is number one. I mean, all of them Ubisoft are. I guess most of them are are, are France, and then okay, maybe France is number three, and then China's number four, and South Korea's five. But then you, I don't know, all these Western European countries, they all have something. Um, Germany's got, depending on who you ask, if it's a PC gamer, Germany's probably up there at number one. I'm also mm. kind of trying to think of like what comes out of places besides just the one big company that's there. So like, what's what comes out of France that isn't Ubisoft? There are a lot of. Um, Indies like uh, Arcade, yeah. they're they're gone now. Spiders is from France. Um, they did that vampire game. Wait, actually, Spiders might be from Poland also. I'm going to have to look that one up. But um, I think there are quite a few, few things from France that we just don't think about being from France. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Quantic Dream is there. Not that we want to put them at the top. Does Sweden make the list just because of Minecraft? No. 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 What about... um? We're talking about Cactus, our best. Cactus, Cactus's games. He has yeah, a they're lot of good. Them. I do think Sweden's is on the list. They're in our top 20 for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 20, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, there are 195 countries on this world. Or sure. 198, depending on and who you And 20 ask. of them, 23 of them make video games. Right. I feel, no, there's more than that. I feel like yeah. we could uh, spend a long time on this. I'm, ha- I'm already having trouble keeping the ranking in my head, so I'll just mention It was other. Canada, Poland, France, China, South Korea. I think was yeah. was like roughly that's a yeah. solid top five yeah canada's um, got them government dollars it's not yeah, fair they got, yeah they got government money they got be aware we do need to get germany in there maybe they're number six mm-hmm. um and uh spain and italy they do have stuff but they're definitely further down the list well so like where do you put taiwan which is doing some bigger games full games now but also has a huge outsourcing contingent and so like you can't make Uncharted or Final Fantasy 15 without Taiwan because they're making a lot of the assets. Right. So where do they like where do they fit in terms of output? I guess we probably mean original games for this, but Taiwan's still up there. Final Fantasy 15 Pocket, Resident Evil Battle and stuff. I don't know. I could talk about this one forever. <laughs> that buzzer means no, you can't. Right. Our next question is from Gigaslime, who says... I'm finally playing Death Stranding, and it's got me wondering, what celebrities would you cast in your own big, expensive vanity project? I'm really liking uh, Brendan Fraser's uh, newer output, like in Doom Patrol. I think yeah. I, I think I, I think I want to get Brendan Fraser uh, in something. I like him as a voice actor. I was accidentally muted, but I immediately said Christopher Lambert. Um, mm. So that's I want to get him in my project, just being a weird, weird guy, just weirding mm. around. I'm ready to bring bring back discussion of LeVar Burton. <laughs> yeah, let's get LeVar Burton back up in here. How would you use him? Some cool way. Just have him Sorry. be the <laughs> Yes, some cool way. Exactly. Thanks. Cool way. He's a good yeah. narrator. Yeah you, yeah, you could use him as your game narrator. Um, uh, we need more than that, though, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do they have to be actors? No. So we could do uh, Will Wheaton? That's a joke. Nice. Conan O'Brien was in uh, Death Stranding. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't get that far. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I didn't play the game, but I saw a lot of footage of it because everybody was talking about it. How about like people who are just sort of famous, like Twitch streamers who are really nice, you know, like like get Grand Pooh Bear and something. I don't know. Yeah. Grand Pooh Bear, go on insert credit. I want to put Avery Brooks in my video game. Just <laughs> that, so would, that would yeah. be good. 
just so I can meet Avery Brooks and be like, will you be my grandpa, please? <laughs> Avery Brooks rules. I mean, I'm just thinking of like my favorite musicians and like I want Moses Sumney. I want to work with Moses Sumney in some way. He's like my favorite musician right now, but I don't know how many other people. Know no, I mean, that that's, <laughs> that's what you should do. Like um, mm-hmm. the, the Cappy folks were so excited to get that guy who did that sword and sorcery soundtrack. Mm. Um, Jim. Jim somebody. <laughs> Oops, I don't remember his name. But they were so excited to get him, and they were like, look who we got. And everyone was like, I don't know who that is. And they're like, well, <laughs> if, you, if you lived in Canada, you'd totally know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you should just get whoever, whoever you're excited about. I'd get Ozzy Osbourne while he's still alive. Is he still alive? Yeah. I'd just I put mean, him in there. Define alive. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> a bit of a shambling corpse. But yeah, put him in there. I'll put him in my video game. Why not? Was he in uh, Brutal Legend? He was in Brutal Legend, and he was yeah. great in Brutal Legend. Yeah. I feel like he's underutilized as a voice actor. That dude, right. just a He's a very distinctive weirdo. Mm-hmm. Not some forgotten people. I don't know. Like, the guy who played Urkel. Like, get him to do his Sonic voice or something. <laughs> I think he's still doing his Sonic voice. Really? Mm-hmm. For what? Jaffe? I can tell you he was on an episode of Scooby-Doo recently, as we discussed in the uh, Doc right. Future episode. Yeah, I was ah. going to say, maybe we really need Topher here to uh, yeah. tell us what Steve Urkel has been up to. Right. How about Alf? Put Alf in Ooh. something. Yeah. Oh, Muppets. Yeah. yeah. Get, let's get, get, uh, get Heathcliff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> in something. Actually, I feel like now is the time to make a Nancy game. Now that Nancy is like edgy and cool again. Oh, yeah. But we're yeah. talking about people, not like no, we're talking IPs. About right. Sorry. Sorry. Right, but when I said Alf, I implied the guy who plays Alf. Yeah, no, the guy, yeah. Alf. Alf is a real yeah. person. Nancy isn't. Right. I'm just imagining a Comics Zone-style Nancy game now, where you're uh, like going through and beating up and jumping from panel to panel. I'd play it. But good. This question comes from... <laughs> well, hang on. If you, you know, if you press down really fast, you fart in Comics Zone, <laughs> so it's great. Yeah, that's a good point. This question comes from George Rohack, who asks... What about video games still fill you with inspiration or hope for the medium? Actually, a lot of stuff. So I was just playing uh, Crusader of Senti, which mm-hmm. I, I bought a, a repro of from a friend. Um, and it's got so many th- just little things in it that you don't need to do. There's a corner of this village full of animals where um, they say that there's a rock of repentance and, uh, and, uh, and a rock of supplication. And it's they're just these two rocks that have little fences next to them. Uh, and it makes the pushing animation. And it you just know that somebody looked at the pushing animation and it's like, oh, it looks like he's bowing or it looks like he's kneeling down. Um, <laughs> and then they just put those rocks in there and and so that you could make that motion. And it's just there's no reason for it. But it's just this cute little thing that's there and feels that's like there's a, there's a fence where you where there are two little eye holes. And at certain times, if you go up to that, fence there there are two um two people holding hands and then if you walk up to the eyeball eye holes your character's eyes fit right inside and the the two people holding hands get embarrassed and run away oh um i love that stuff so anytime there's something like that or like tulip where that game is too hard it's not very fun to play but it's it it makes you think about all the great things you could possibly do in a video game. Because this is a game about making people ha- happy by giving them kisses in this weird world where all these things sort of exist and are sort of accepted. So um, the games that give you hope for the medium are 25 years old? <laughs> <laughs> well, there. I mean, it's maybe a little... Um, passe is the wrong word, but Undertale does give me some hope for the medium as well because... Sure. Tried a lot of things, um, did really well, 
got a lot of people thinking about the, me the medium of video games in a way that wasn't cynical or crass. There are a lot of games that try to be referential to the medium in such a base, crass, unhappy way, but Undertale did it in a simultaneously joyous and heart-wrenching way. So yeah, there's 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 still games that do it. Those were just just I literally stopped playing Crusader of Senti a couple uh, days ago. So it's very fresh in my mind. I don't know, like all these indie games lately that are <laughs> hits, you know, like how do you not get hopeful from that? You know, even the the one the, the ones that come to mind for me in recent years would be like uh Celeste and um uh, a short hike. Uh yeah, people yeah. are out here trying. Just because uh they make the same Call of Duty every year doesn't mean good things aren't happening in video games. Well, the, yeah. the I mean it's it it also has the inverse effect though cuz when I look at the Switch like eShop and like the five games that are released every day, it makes mm -hmm. me sad because it's like all of you are losing money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every right. single one of you is doing this for no reason and it's like wow you put a lot of work into this for some reason like why why are you doing this it's sad so that's the opposite of hope for the medium <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's it's double it's a double-sided coin that's what i'm saying you mentioned a short hike and that reminded me like yeah short hike is definitely very inspirational to me as well as like wander song i think was another one that that I found really, really good and inspirational and just like these games that are coming out that have like a focus on not being violent and like just having a good time and making friends and being cool in a chill space and that sort of thing. I really like that. And I don't really play as many games as I used to, or really, I don't really play many games at all nowadays, but I follow like a million game devs and everything they're working on looks so cool. And so just like scrolling through what everybody's working on is just very inspiring and they're like oh yeah this is cool oh this is this looks cool i'm i'm ready oh yeah and that 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 whole experience of like seeing everybody like trying really hard and making cool things and like doing things i've never seen before i don't know it's just it's just like how can i not be hopeful you know when i try and explicitly surround myself by creative people making cool things yeah i don't know that's true um oh, never mind Eric Eaton asks, Bioware codenamed Anthem Dylan, supposedly because they wanted it to be the Bob Dylan of video games. What is the Bob Dylan of video games? Uh, it's probably a text adventure or a visual novel type thing. Why? Um, why? Yeah. Because he, he talks, he doesn't sing. Um, that's, <laughs> that's my analogy. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. That's the, it, it. I could be wrong, but that's just where I'm going with it because he's, uh, you know, the the words are more important than the music, right? He would right. say, I think. So um, that that's that's the reason I went that way. And it'd probably have something to do with protesting bad situations, pro union, something kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or maybe like a message game, like a papers, please. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say uh, papers, please, or something along those lines. But I don't think papers, please, explicitly would be it. Right. If, feel like it would be something more local yeah mm. uh hmm this is a tough one yeah uh it's, it's tough for me because i'm just bored by the idea of a bob dylan of anything <laughs> me too well you're dylan not ready music. to be a dad <laughs> correct um, neither am i your dads have to like bob dylan absolutely bob dylan no, they and, uh, paul simon this is a hard question well i can't mean other ways to think about it like he had his like electric phase after a while i don't know i'm just pulling for something to make this 
interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, he got a uh, the Nobel Prize uh, recently, and that upset a lot of people because he got like a Nobel Prize for writing when he's a song guy. Uh, uh-huh. So maybe like a game that got a claim in a category that it uh, <laughs> doesn't usually get. It's got to be what Brandon was saying, where it's like it's yeah. it's, it's like something that that the gameplay yeah. is second, right? Like it's it's right. like a, it's a text game, right? It doesn't have to be an actual text adventure with no graphics, but it's you know something like oh, uh, it could easily be a walking simulator, right? Could be One a walking those, sim, or I think it's more likely to be something that's you know like 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 an RPG or adventure game or whatever, where the people making it just really want to write some words and just mm-hmm. force the words down your throat, and like yeah, that's right. the game. It's if like we walking around be... to the next word. Place. Oh, is it Disco Elysium? I was going to say, if we want to be really no. kind to Bob Dylan, then we could say it's Disco Elysium. No, Disco Elysium has gameplay in that there are choices that affect things. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of like, you know, when people make a game an RPG maker and there's not a lot of fighting, you just walk around talking to people because they have this cool story to tell. Right. Yeah. Wow. We're being really mean to uh, America's <laughs> sweetheart, Bob Dylan here. Get on, Robert. I mean, he wrote like a Rolling Stone. How does it my feel? Fault. Well, and yet he's not like a Rolling Stone, so <laughs> I don't like them either. I don't know what I meant by that. <laughs> uh, it, it was just easy. It's time to go into our lightning round. Uh, this week we're doing even more listener questions, but instead nice. of four minutes, we have ten seconds to answer each question. Jeez, oh, <laughs> are you ready? I feel sorry for these listeners. Yeah. Yeah. MVB asks, should there be more PS2 games? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kyle asks, which video game is the most like learning a language? Uh, Captain Blood uh, is a game where you you uh, learn alien languages by observing them and repeating things back. That's good. Great answer. Ten seconds. Uh, Sarah Sophia asks, what box art has the worst or best differences across regions? Uh, Mega Man's a classic one. Yeah. Mega Man. Yeah. Uh, there's also Crash. No, Kirby having like Kirby. the mean eyebrows. Kirby. Yeah. Yes. Kirby. Yeah, correct. Kirby. Gotta love those eyebrows. Yeah, that's right. Samdil Guidice asks, "What never translated Japanese games would you like to see receive wide release in the West?" Mizuna Falls. Mother Three. Obviously. I'm blanking. Just want people <laughs> to stop talking about how they're waiting for Mother. Just play the game. Yeah. It's like five dollars on AliExpress. Just go get the game. Just get it. games <laughs> I want to play, but I don't know the names of them because they're in Japanese. No, you're out of time. Uh, Siegfried <laughs> from Soul Edge asks, which fighting game has the best writing? Soul Edge. I'm I'm playing to the uh, to the customer here. Nice. Mortal Kombat One. Oh wow. All right, no. that's time. Uh, Horatio asks, beginning with a basketball-sized clump from a starting point just outside your front door. Which insert credit guest or panelist could roll the biggest Katamari in real life? Uh, well, Frank and I would be able to do basically the same size because we live very close to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, would, I would not. I, would, I, have, I have nothing around me. I think it's uh, I think it's Alex Jaffe. Yeah, I live in New York City. I think it's me. New York City. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Brenton Woodrow asks, what types of games are popular abroad but never reach the same level of popularity in the U.S.? Uh, wizardry series. <laughs> Farm, farm Simulator? There's probably yeah. a rugby game somewhere, right? Oh, for uh, sure. Like every Korean game? Uh, that's time. Uh, Nick Howe asks, if you had a child, would you hope they loved video games less than you do? I don't care. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Sorry. Children suck. Yeah. If you have kids, stop listening. 
Uh, Adam asks, if you have kids, get rid of them. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> you have to choose the show or your kids. Don't, don't uh, listen to them. You can still give us money. All right. Uh, no, you don't have to listen, but you do still have to give us money. Uh, Adam uh, asks, what video game character would subscribe to insert credit? Mm. Someone with a lot of pocket change. Wario. What video game characters like video games? W- Wario would would subscribe just Travis to uh, hear if his name was mentioned. Yeah, Travis Dutton. Uh Finally, Anonymous asks, what is the dad rock of video games? Oh, God. Uh, uh, what is it? Dad rock of video games? Um, Five, Uncharted? No. Four, um, Last three, of Us? Three, two. Halo. Frank nails it at the buzzer. Congratulations, <laughs> Frank Zafaldi. You win another episode. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't know there were points involved. I would have oh. tried a little harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I should mention that at the top of the show, but that's fine. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Tyreek. I think we uh, bundled up the dirt bag quite nicely over there with your help. Uh, appreciate yeah, you pitching in. It's a strange analogy, but okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what I'm, we're all about here. Uh, this is the part of the show where we plug things that we are involved with, if we are so inclined, and also give recommendations to our listeners for ways to entertain themselves in the long, dark hours between our episodes. Yeah, indeed. It is. Well, here's what I got. I got a couple movies. Um, One of them is called Ongaku, Our Sound. It is an anime. I'm recommending an animated feature to you all. And it is about a group of delinquents who form a band. And it is like such a hangout movie. If you can clear yourself an hour and a half to just hang out and uh, and chill in front of your your television, it's 60 percent walking through environments in Japan and just nothing much is happening. And then the rest of it is these people who are all nice to each other, playing music together and discovering music. And then at the end of it, there's a like a performance that happens. And I I think it's I mean, I know it's because of the pandemic. I actually got emotional. listening to this live performance in this movie because I realized it had been so long since I had actually been to a show and this movie uh, so correctly represented like the feeling of walking by something and then realizing, hey, that's actually pretty cool. And then stopping to listen to it for a while that it just it just got me wishing I could go outside. So I highly recommend that one if you're into Japanese rock music and um having a good time go for that one and my other movie that i'm recommending is night of the kings um it's not this isn't a hundred percent recommendation because it's good i just think it's kind of interesting it's uh it's shot in the ivory coast it's a it's a different sort of telling of thousand and one nights set in africa and it's you know a, a there's a prisoner a new prisoner comes to this prison that's basically run by other prisoners and has to tell a story keep a story going until daylight Ooh. um gotten rid of uh it's it's not the best but it's cool to see this stuff from a perspective that i don't usually get to see so i liked it um lastly i will recommend the new uh mork album um mork spelled like mork and mindy uh katedralen it is a second wave black metal norwegian thing and it's real good if you're into that sort of stuff so that's what i got Frank, you got anything? No, no, I don't think I do. How about you, Tyreek? Anything you're working on that our listeners might be interested in? Uh, yeah, I am making a game called Catacomb Kids that is currently available on Steam and itch.io in early access. And hopefully I'll be putting an update out 
for that sometime within the next few weeks, maybe month. Uh, I'm also I also do dev streams that you can watch on Twitch at Four Bit Friday. I do a bunch of them every week, so just pop in there and say hi. Um, sometimes his parents are there. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they're cool. I That's like pretty my fun parents. for me anyway. <laughs> um, I also have been listening to a lot of Crumb and Midair Thief lately. So that's music. You want music? Midair Thief is like a South Korean band, and Crumb's mm-hmm. just quite nice. And um, music rules. Yeah, I love music. <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. Yes, I would like to recommend music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, speak, speaking of music, I also uh, set up a Bandcamp of my own earlier this year. It's at f r r o r dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, I I'm trying. There's only one song there so far, but I'm trying to be like more public facing about my music production aspirations of late. So maybe listen to it and tell me if you like it. And if you don't, don't tell me. Well, yeah, don't tell I me. have some recommendations. Nice. Oh, wait, I have something. Sorry, Jaffe. Before we get into your recommendations, I also want to say that I, I have been meaning to recommend the insert credit art jam on the forums where uh, people are doing a different jam art jam topic. Oh, yeah, those and, have been really cool. And people aren't just doing visual art. They're also doing songs. Someone made a game in Pico 8. Uh, someone wrote a, a poem. So uh, get on into the insert credit art jam thread on the forums. I don't know what the subject is going to be by the time this goes live right now it's the first one was purple was the theme uh that was a pretty successful one second one was games you are known for um gushing about and we'll see what this new one is when when you get there okay go ahead Jack. all right well i've got some recommendations i recommend that if you're listening to itunes or stitcher or spotify or any other platform where you can subscribe to a review podcast that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own questions, get episodes one day early, and even access to regular bonus episodes and other exclusive content. In the meantime, you can join us on forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at insert credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Brandon is at Necrosofty. And Tyreek is at 4Bit Friday. That's for the numeral four bit as in an eighth of a byte and Friday as in the day of the week. This show is produced by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. And I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield. It's me, Tyreek. <laughs> and your game <laughs> has now been saved. Sorry about the uh, line flub, Esper. I'm sure you can put something nice together. Yeah, they'll get it together. Yeah. It's, and I'm sorry about my general spaciness. There's been a lot of scraping yeah. going on right outside my garage. Up in the scrape space. Uh, I hope I wasn't too spacey and weird. <laughs> Welcome to the scrape zone. Boy, scrape zone does not sound like a good zone. Sonic <laughs> would hate that.